Welcome to Nerds of the Roundtable, a podcast on a quest for quality pop culture. I'm Jamie. I'm Dwayne. And I'm Sammy. And guys, before we preview our episode, we got something exciting, something new, something rare. We got a, a new present. iTunes review. A present? <laughs> yes, just as good, just as good, great. Yes, it, it's a podcast present. Um, we got a five-star review on iTunes, guys. Oh, wow. And, and it's by, um, oh, I hit the button. Uh, Darl Goat 789 And the, the title is Great Podcast. And so here, here's what Darl Goat 789 said about us. Very informative and fluid dialect between these gentlemen. Easy listening. Keep up the work. Keep up the good work. Bad typing, I'm sorry. My, my bad typing. I wrote it into my notes, and of course, I did it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> uh, keep up the good work. I'm a fan. And uh, so, Darl Goat, thank you so much for the review. And that does mean – I don't know how the algorithm works. Um, wish I did. We could game the system. But uh, <laughs> but apparently, like, I'm told that that's important, those, that those reviews yes. are a big deal for getting us found. And so thank you very much for your review. Thank you very much, Mr. Goat. We appreciate the five-star review. And to any other listener, if you're uh, so inclined, please review. And well, five stars never hurts. That's all right. <laughs> and, you know, we'll, we'll read them all. Even if they're one stars, we will read them. Um, unless they're really offensive. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> Well, Jamie, um, not, watch yourself, because now you may be just challenging people. <laughs> as, as I said, I'll read any review. I was thinking, ah, I don't want to challenge. I don't give my brothers an open door. <laughs> see no, matter, no matter what, keep it constructive, right? <laughs> I'm just seeing a review right now coming down. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J. <laughs> but, fellas... Um, so that that was a five star review. Now, we might be reviewing a five star movie tonight. So what what are we reviewing, fellas? <clears throat> what do we got? I will do the honors because this is one of our Star Wars movies leading it up to The Rise of Skywalker being released in December. Uh, we have broken into the sequels. We've had the original trilogy. We've had the prequels. We've had the Star Wars stories, the anthology movies. Now we finally finally broken into the sequels with episode seven, the force awakens. I didn't know it was a napping, but the force. (laughs) We've been sleeping for 10 years, man. Come on. (laughs) Yeah. So I loved all the little jokes that you've seen, you know, uh, about the, the title of the movie, the force awakens when it was coming out, you had a lot of little memes come around, but just, this is after 10 years, you know, we were sure that in, 2005 we had the wrapping up you know with episode three uh, during the prequels of of the skywalker story with darth vader um, emerging from one anakin skywalker and you know then we had the clone wars uh movie uh which was adapted from the tv show to premiere that and just Star Wars just kind of hung out with the clone wars for about you know four or five years and uh, after the Disney purchase, uh, we started going into some development. And a prolific director, J.J. Abrams, took the helm. Uh, 
with uh, Michael Arndt during a screenplay and then Lawrence Kasdan and J.J. Abrams rehashing that screenplay into what we now know as The Force Awakens. Yeah, and I noticed something um, while I was looking for the Keanu connection, um, which was a lot of work, and I'm not going to get into that on the on air. Um, <laughs> but uh, I noticed that they gave Lucas a writer's credit on this. Because I know, I know he gave him some notes. Does that mean they used some for Force well, Awakens? Lucas, uh, Lucas apparently had, um, if and not story treatments, a rough outline of where he wanted 7, 8, 9 to go. Yeah. And uh, apparently they gave him that writer's credit, uh, hoping that it would pacify him uh, as a <laughs> creator and things. But according to Lucas, they diverged quite drastically from his from his. Uh, outlines and uh, ideas there so that- and, you know, this is very apropos to be talking about this movie right now because bob Iger's memoir just dropped and, yes. there's, and there's a whole chapter on the lucasfilm acquisition uh i've heard pieces of it uh and it it definitely leaves it open to fandom to kind of decide you know where they were at and exactly how bad George kind of got it. Uh, so uh, it, it, it'd be real interesting, I think, to kind of look at that. But supposedly there's also additional chapters on Disney, Pixar, and then eventually Fox also with these acquisitions. So, But the Star Wars chapters definitely is interesting. Um, you know, they talked about how they had purchased story treatments from Lucas and then didn't tell him they decided not to use any of them. So uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it just it just kind of struck me. I'm like, is this like a like, hey George, be nice on the press junket? I mean, <laughs> right. And apparently, uh, his interview with Charlie Rose, he was quite outspoken uh, uh, oh, concerning yeah. Disney and uh, the changes to Lucasfilm and you know his Star Wars franchise, uh, which you know we know Lucas is not ashamed. He's not afraid to take chances. He's not afraid to take something sacred and take a complete left turn with it. So, you know, I think that was an issue with the prequels. We weren't, we didn't get what we were expecting. Now with now, I what I've heard of Lucas's uh, treatments. It was quite out there, uh, very uh, kind of experimental, kind of heady. If you've seen THX 1138, you know he's, mm. he's, he can be quite a cerebral filmmaker uh, when he wants to be. But, you know, Star Wars is big, bold, black and white, you know, and, you know, it paints in broad strokes. And, and that's the strength of Star Wars, I believe, uh, truly. And when J.J. and Lawrence Kasdan took this, I think they grabbed those bold colors and filled out this canvas very well. All right. Well, we've kind of been talking around it. So let's let's get into our opening thoughts and grades here. So, um, Sammy, you want to go first? Sure. Not a problem. Um, you know, when it came to this movie, you know, yes, there was all of that initial excitement, right? Like Dwayne said, we'd been 10 years. And I remember very much walking out of the theater after Revenge of the Sith, Sith thinking, that's it. That's the last Star Wars movie I'm going to be seeing. Uh, so when this came out, that hype was there. I was excited for it. Um, you know, the toughest part after the Disney acquisition for me was the fact that all those books that I read uh, that were canon were now just legends. Uh, but as far as the movie itself, 
Uh, if I'm going to have to go grade, I'm going to go A minus on this one. Okay. Um, I'm going to go next because Dwayne has already um, previewed his grades for the entire uh, series. Um, <laughs> and I think it actually probably already applies to Rise of Skywalker, though he hasn't seen it yet. Um, but I, I think this is a, a movie like – it's a kind of visually stunning. It's beautifully shot. There's characters I absolutely fell in love with. I, I didn't expect to love new the new Star Wars characters the way I do, like the old ones. Um, I think it's a worthy addition to the Star Wars canon. It's got flaws though, um, and and some of them are hard to like completely ignore. Um, but this movie has a lot of charm, and the charm I think outweighs the flaws. Like. You know, in in a like in an overwhelming fashion, like you can't you I can't not see the flaws, but I still really love this movie. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Sam. I'm going A minus on this one. Okay. Well, uh, as I've said before, my my grades uh, are already out there, so this is an A <laughs> movie. Uh, yeah, sequels are A's. Yeah, this this is not a perfect movie by any stretch, but like like Jamie said, this movie has a lot of charm. It has a lot of heart, and I think it, it has the true heart of Star Wars uh, at its core. Uh, whether it executes that or you know kind of goes astray from time to time. Now, like Sam, I was a huge, huge, huge fan of the expanded universe, and I really had a difficult time with the Clone Wars movie. Because Anakin had a Padawan, and Anakin was still an apprentice, and apprentices don't get Padawans in Star Wars, and it's not mentioned anywhere in all of this massive, you know, hundred and I think I think at one point there was like a hundred and twenty some books, and yeah. I've probably read, you know, a hundred and five of them, <laughs> and yep. you know, I really had a difficult time with that, and I really became angry, and I just had to, and I was that angry fanboy. Well, this can't be because Anakin never had it. He was a better one, and this is the way the ranking goes in the Jedi Order, and da, 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 you know, and the rules and whatnot, you know. And, and then I had to smack myself and say, "You love Star Wars. This is a movie for fun. It's here to have a good time. So let's have a good time with it." And I think that's where. Uh, J.J. Uh, excelled with this movie. I think yeah. he just made a fun adventure. He introduced some great characters in great ways. He pulled on our heartstrings. He got out those you know, nostalgia moments. And you know, he just made a fun adventure movie. Yeah. All right, guys. Let's take a short break, and we'll come back for our soon-to-be world-famous, as Dwayne says, uh, a world-famous fan or pan. Graphically Novel. Three brothers tackle a different graphic novel each week. Listen as the brothers Fugit discuss classic and not-so-classic graphic novels. Subscribe now on your podcast feed of choice. Graphically Novel. Three brothers who like each other but love comics. All right, guys, welcome back, and let's dig in, beginning with here, the stuff that we're fans of. And um, I'm going to go first with a big picture one, because I think you all are going to go more narrowed down on this. So I just my, my first one that is the thing that I'm a fan of is just the new cast. 
Um, I think they knocked it out of the park. And I'll, I'll let you all maybe identify indiv- certain individuals that you like, but even like um, Oscar Isaac doesn't have a huge role in this movie. Like Poe Dameron doesn't have a ton of screen time, but that guy is perfect for Star Wars and he's perfect for this movie. Um, I just love all of the new cast members. I just think that all of them are just perfect choices. You know, dealing with, with each of these characters, you're exactly right. I mean, they, they fit automatically. They feel like Star Wars characters. You know, uh, alluding kind of back to those novels and, and, and comics and stuff that I read, you know, Poe Dameron could fit right into those Rogue Squadron comics, right into those Rogue Squadron novels that I read. So he was he was the perfect kind of guy for that. And I think Oscar, Oscar Isaacs really came across in that. You know, but I think all of them did. You know, all of them brought heart. Yes. Entirely. Uh, Star Wars has always been from the originals to the prequels. And we see it, you know, coming around in the in this new trilogy, have always introduced us to some really earnest, honest actors, really great actors. And even, you know, we're introduced to Daisy Ridley, who's hardly been in anything. John Boyega, who's been in very little. And, and even Oscar Isaac, you know, he's a little bit more experienced, but this movie really helped put him on the map along with a few other movies he was making about this time as this phenomenal actor. And, you know, all these guys, you know, you have an analog for Luke. You have an analog for Leia. You have an analog, you know, Oscar Isaac is, is essentially Harrison Ford in this movie. He's a little bit older than John and Daisy. He's been a little bit more experienced in the movies. And, you know, also, uh, you know, we see a little bit more of uh, Brendan Gleeson. Uh, we've seen him a little bit in the Harry Potter series. Uh, we also have. Uh, I, I, I refer to Drive. as Adolf Weasley. Adolf Weasley. <laughs> <laughs> he, can, he can be a little intense at times. Uh, you know, and we have Adam Driver, who is a phenomenal <laughs> actor, but he's always in these little quirky roles, yeah. these little odd places. But you know, I mean, he just owns this movie. You know, he just just chews up chunks of it. You know, so yeah, the cast, you know, they they could not have done better. And of course, you know, the the bringing back of the original three, the bringing back of of Harrison. Uh, Mark and Carrie, not to mention, uh, you know, I think Kenny Baker was even on scene for a little while. Anthony Daniels for what little bit you see the droids, um, you know, and Peter Mayhew for what he yeah. could do. You know, they they brought these guys in and really, you know, honored them and their legacy. I think really helped bring this movie a lot of goodwill. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, Adam Driver. Um, that's not his first appearance on Nerds of the Roundtable. Nope. Uh, nope. Midnight Special. Uh, yeah. He was in a, a phenomenal uh, role, of, a really great little movie. <laughs> and another movie I would really like to delve into at some point, maybe next year or two, is, uh, is Logan Lucky. I think that would be a fun dive for the nerds. Oh, yeah, that, that needs to be on the list. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, Sammy, what, what do you have? What's, what's your first fan? You know, one of the one of the I think the first fans I'm going to throw out is just kind of the additions that they add to the force. The few the extra little things they add to make the force what it is. Certain force powers. Uh, when Kylo stops the blaster bolts and it just hangs there. 
you know, we've seen Vader deflect blast blaster bolts and absorb them, you know, but to have it just float there and then deflect it off to another direction, that was something visual that we hadn't really ever seen. Even the way that, um, that Kylo especially would use the force as an interrogation. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's something that we hadn't really ever seen before. Uh, or, or even, you know, Daisy having kind of these force premonitions, you know, we saw pieces of those, but not really on the screen. We've maybe seen it in animation or we've seen it in books, but to see it on the screen and how they interpreted the force that way, I just thought that was a really cool addition in this movie. Yeah. The, the expansion of the force was, I'll say interesting. Um, I'm not maybe as big a fan of some of it. Uh, I love the strength that they showed with Kylo in, in his just being able to pause the blaster bolt there. You know, but, you know, I'm not quite sure about it. The The interrogation, uh, you, you, we did see that in the, in the books, most notably the um, legacy of the Force, I believe, where we had Jason Solo kind of turning dark and... Uh, killing Boba Fett's daughter uh, in, in an interrogation. I'm, a, I'm one more EU reference away from breaking into that song from Frozen about letting it go. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm glad that they took some of those things from the EU and expanded the force a little bit. So, yeah, the, the, the strength of the force and that they did have the force as an, a visible character throughout here uh, was, was really neat. The, um, it was really cool, Jamie. All right. Um, did you have a? Did you want to add another fan? It's your turn yeah. if we're going around the table. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, a fan. I, I like. Um, I like the consistency of of you know the first order from the empire, even though we are still not sure of exactly how they formed. You know, they're, they're kind of this radical faction as the resistance is a radical faction from parts of the, the new Republic. Uh, but you know, you still see the, the, uh, the Nazi ish uniforms. You still see the white faceless armor, you know, the, this, this set design, I think they called them eye troopers. When we first seen them, they were just, just so clean and clear uh, of uh, you know, the, the new stormtrooper designs. And I really like the fact that, because a lot of people thought that the stormtroopers were still clones, even in the original trilogy, and probably a portion of them were, but you had to meet certain physical requirements even then. Um, so now you have just anybody, male and female, short and tall. You know, it doesn't matter that Luke's a little short for a stormtrooper. You know, it's when John Boyega is a little short for a stormtrooper, we find out. You know, uh, so that was that was really neat, and uh, just the consistency there from uh, you know original to to sequel trilogy of the empire evolving into the first order. Well, I've only got one more thing I want to add on the, on the fan um, section of the show. Um, this movie is visually stunning. Um, I, I mean, from that opening scene where <laughs> um, Kylo Ren flies in with his interesting V shaped ship. I mean, it looks awesome. The, the, this, the blaster bolt frozen in air. Is just arresting. Um, you know, Daisy or Ray, I shouldn't call her Daisy. She's Ray in the movie. Um, but but Ray, you know, climbing around 
inside the old uh, Star Destroyers. I mean, everything looks amazing. Um, the the battle at Moscanada's bar, I guess it's a bar. Um, it looks awesome. I mean, the way Poe Dameron is flying around and just blasting things left and right out of the air, it all just looks stunning. And that uh, everything that happens on Starkiller Base, the the scene out on the bridge, the the fight in the forest, it all just looks just amazing which is not shocking it's jj abrams I mean, he makes great looking movies but this movie is just it's a visual feast yeah yeah it truly is and you know when you have like you said jj abrams makes some beautiful movies and you know when you have the power of disney and lucasfilm and ilm behind you i mean how how much you know can you play in that sandbox i mean this, but but this is the guy that made star trek look interesting too though so i mean yeah. we, we shouldn't be shocked this is, this is true. Um, he, he really brought a new physical, uh, visual depth to Star Trek. Uh, very much so, no doubt. But yeah, this movie, you know, the designs, I know I spoke earlier about the designs for the First Order. I mean, even the design of the X-Wings, how they evolved. Yeah. You know, with, with the wings splitting and, and the way that they work together there. Um, I'll tell you, I'm, I am a huge fan of the just the world building, the introduction uh, into this universe, I'm so glad they decided to keep the crawl. You know, uh, everybody that was a big, the big debate: Are they going to do the crawl? Are they going to do the crawl? And you know, when it, boom! You know, and the crawl starts working up. You know, our, the theater I was in just erupted. You know, in cheers, and uh, being able to introduce these new characters in new and interesting ways. And uh, I may have spoke about this before, but my wife has always been a little intimidated to watch Star Wars with me because she's like, okay, who's that? Who's that? Who's that? Who's that? How are they connected? Who's this? Okay. And then she would just get bored after a little while. So with this one, we're sitting in the theater and, and Poe's talking to Max von Sydow and she says, okay, who's that old guy? I said, I don't know. She said, okay, I kind of like this movie now. You know, so, <laughs> you know, so it, it really introduced a whole other group of fans, a whole other, uh, I guess, even generation of fans, you know, that didn't have to have the expanded universe and the huge allure. I mean, it makes it that much better to me. But, you know, it, it just introduced it so well in, in the little camp on Jakku. Um, of the you know the the force church the church of the force I guess however you would say it and, and uh, just the uh, honor to the old uh, you know movies Max von Sydow you know posing you know the general's been after this for a long time and he says to me she's royalty you know just honoring that princess there and uh, going back yeah that's just the introduction of all that. Yeah, Maz's place, all the flags outside, you know, and if you if you pause it there and you can look and you can see, you know, you can see the Mandalorian flag, you can see the Black Sun flag, you can see all of these different things. Cool. That might be one of the nerdiest things you've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it looking at those flags. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna I'm going to uh just shut up there. And, uh, we know. <laughs> I will tell you it's not, and I'll be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, talking about the designs, you know, I think especially the Falcon. You know, we, we've we've talked about when we talked about Solo, just how great the Falcon looked in that movie. You know, but this came before. This was our first chance to see the Falcon with new effects. 
to see the Falcon fly in atmosphere, atmosphere. you know, all of this type of thing. So, I mean, with the X-Wings, with the the new looks of the the new ties, you know, the the dual cockpit TIE fighters, and then even to see the Falcon, you saw those old ships, the ones that kind of took you back to when you were little and, and they may look a little different, whether it be the Falcon's radar dish or, you know, something to that effect, but it still took you back to those moments. And uh, I love that it had a different radar dish because your, the round one was knocked off in the attack on the second. Yeah. And in, in Jedi, <laughs> you know, and, off, and they inside. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That made plenty of sense to me. So <laughs> I, I didn't even notice. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's got a round radar dish originally. Remember, it gets knocked off in Death Star Two. Lando's flying it, knocks it off. Yeah. So of course you have to replace it. The rectangular one. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> you know, you were you were talking about the the first order though, and I think it's interesting that this movie can can make the first order feel a lot more menacing than maybe the Empire did. In some ways, because we can do a little bit more. I mean, even the scene on in the village of Jakku, when the when the troopers just start firing and, and killing the villagers, you know, that's probably exactly what happened to Owen and Baru, but we didn't see it. Right. It was it happened off screen, but you know, these stormtroopers are actually hitting stuff. Yeah, they're actually pretty good shots. I was noticing. So. <laughs> All right. Uh, anything else on fan before we start poking at those flaws we mentioned? There's there's a lot, but I think uh, me and Sam are both saving those for our awards. Yeah, um, I've got I know I've I got I a couple of holding back. Yeah, yeah, I got a couple I'm holding back. So uh, yeah, this you know I know we're going to get into some uh, pans, and we're probably going to discuss a little bit more of the pans in this section. But we do have our awards coming up, so we are going to shower some more love on this movie. Definitely. All right, let's 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 poke at the flaws then. Let's dig at some wounds. Uh, pan. Sammy, you want to go first on this one? Sure. I'll, I'll start with, even though I love the opening crawl, I think the old ally was too much of a tease. It wasn't, when you see old ally, I'm expecting to see someone I know, not Lor Santeca, not Max Vedsada, who I have no idea who this character is. Now, yeah. it's awesome they're bringing a new character in, but if you're going to tease me in the crawl, with an old ally, I mm. want to see someone that connects to the OT. So I don't know who Dwayne wanted to see. That'd be my first pan right there. <laughs> Dwayne wanted to see Billy D. <laughs> you know, that's uh, a thing I'm so glad is going to be rectified. <laughs> in, Absolutely. Uh, yep. Yeah, yeah. We needed we needed Billy D. At least, if not in this one, at least in the second episode. It could have been Billy D. He could have been the one hanging yeah, on to that thing. Well, it could have very easily been Billy D. And uh, you know, uh, apparently, uh, there's been some recent news out of uh, Dennis uh, Lawson, who played uh, Wedge and Tilly yes. in the original trilogy, uh, who uh, would refused to be in the force awakens because the part was just he said no more than a cameo apparently they may have drummed him up to a larger role he's now confirmed in rise of skywalker mm. so you know there's tons of characters that you could have brought back but that is one thing that i am glad though that they did you know not keep shrinking the universe you know, it yeah. wasn't you know just everybody in somebody's living room. You know, so they're always going back to, but they're always going back. You know, we're you know we're introduced to new characters. Now, I wish they would have named 
uh, Laura Santeca on screen, maybe giving him a little bit more. You know, that that's a that's a pan of mine. You know, you introduced this new character, Max von Sydow, was a phenomenal actor. Could have done so much with the role, but I mean, he's he's in the movie for like three minutes. You know, and, and that's that's kind of a wasted character. And Sam talking about a, uh, you know, kind of a foreshadowing and a tease. I mean, even in The Crawl, you have the title to the next movie. Right. You know, The Last Jedi. So, you know, this is yeah. the first one. We'll not stop until they destroy Luke Skywalker. The Last Jedi. Uh, you know, so that's that too. Yeah, and that, that leads into my, my first pan. Um, not, it's not just Laura Santeca. I mean, there is a lot of stuff that's just left unexplained. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I know who the first order is. I know exactly where they came from, but it's because I've read like, there's like five star Wars novels that explain that yeah. it's never on screen. It has never been on screen. I mean, and there are people who don't read those books or the comic books who probably still don't know where the first order came from and what their well, connection well, no, see, is to the empire. To me being a huge star Wars fan from the past, I have actively chosen to avoid you know, the, the novels and the comics around this new series, just to see how much I can glean from the screen. Um, you know, I was a part to know it, but, uh, <laughs> but it's, but it's not just the first order from, from watching this movie. Can you explain what the relationship with the resistance and the new Republic are? Right. Yeah. You it's complete. Yeah. You, you still think they're the rebels. You know, you still think they may yeah. be the rebels and they still haven't established that new government. You still think that the first order may be the empire, even though they're not, you know, the empire uh, you, you see. And that's one of the things that I had um, learned by, uh, you know, either listening to uh, audiobooks or, you know, listening to commentaries and things. But that's one of the things when they're bringing Poe into the Star Destroyer, he's amazed at the weaponry and technology and, and just vast scope because they're supposed to be essentially demilitarized. Yeah, but I mean, like, there's a there's a, a trilogy by Chuck Wendig called The Aftermath. It's set but after, after um, Return of the Jedi and before this movie. And that explains, you know, how the first order came about. And the, but there's a whole other set of novels by Claudia Gray yeah. that explain how the resistance got formed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but you just, but but Star Wars. We've we talked about this before. We've we've all talked about this. Star Wars is primarily a movie franchise. You should not have to go chase down these little. They're not little. They're important details. You shouldn't have to chase them down in novels and comic books to figure it out. Right. Yeah, that's true. And George has always made that clear on screen. You knew exactly who Vader was when he walked through the door of the starship in, you know, episode four. You knew exactly who Leia was when she was hiding the plans in R2 and trying to escape. You knew exactly what was happening there with Luke, you know, uh, being on the farm. You know, I'm going to go get some power converters. You know, you just kind of <laughs> knew this this kid, you know. Yeah. Okay, this is this is where we are. And it, this new series does leave a lot, you know, out there hanging. This but it's not, it's not just that. I mean, there's a lot of stuff. Like, who is Snoke? Because they because Ryan Johnson, you know, didn't like Snoke, we, we still don't know who yeah. Snoke is. We will never know, probably, who Snoke is. Yeah. Um. I think a lot of things are going to be answered. And I think that's one of the struggles with this Rise of Skywalker movies, while they may still be having some production issues. I think uh, that we are going to be getting some answers uh, there. And I think that's why they're looking at a two and a half, three hour movie. Yeah. 
But I, th- I think we were just supposed to like to feel like we were on familiar territory and not worry about it. Like Snoke was supposed to feel like the Emperor, and we weren't supposed to worry about the details. The First Order supposed to feel like the Empire. Don't worry about the details. Resistance, they're just the rebellion. Don't worry about it. Don't think about it. And but we're gonna think about it. Have they have they met any Star Wars fans? We're gonna think mm-hmm. about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we, we want these answers, and if we don't get them, we're gonna make them up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna yeah. argue about it. We're gonna get mad. We're gonna get frustrated. So yeah, that's uh, Sammy. I want to speak uh, real quick to. Or did you have something else to say for what James? I, said? I'm done complaining. Oh. Go ahead. Okay. Well, you were just talking about not getting a little bit of, of that payoff. You know, understanding who's the resistance, who's Snoke, who's Maz Kanata, and how in the world did she get that lightsaber? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that is an important story point that Mr. Johnson decided not to even touch. And how does Chewie's family from the holiday special feel about her being his girlfriend? Exactly. (laughs) I mean, Mala would not be happy. I mean, Itchy did not raise his son to be that way. So so Chewie must have a restraining order, which is why he's not going back to Kashyyyk a lot. Poor little lumpy cries every night. <laughs> oh goodness! I get the impression too. He just stays in the Falcon everywhere they go. There's no, there's no safe harbor for him. Chewie <laughs> <laughs> must be a womanizer. <laughs> but no, that, that, uh, I don't. That's not a visual image anybody needs. Yeah, yeah we're not going to go there. <laughs> uh, but you know, speaking to another pan uh, and and Sam, I'm one to. Uh, to kind of attack one of your fans from a moment ago. Go for it. The portrayal of the force in this movie is a little out there. Um, uh, now, as new age as the force is, as a concept, you know, it's kind of a blending of all of these religions, all of these faiths. They kind of went a little off the deep end with it. I think in star Wars, the force has always been good. And bad, you know, it's 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 light and dark. I think in these movies they're trying to bring more of a gray area or a a, a broad spectrum view of the force. Um, you know, being a lot more, you know, with the force visions, we never really seen the only force vision we've seen was Luke's vision in the cave. You know, right. we didn't see his vision with uh, you know his friends are in danger when he was on Dagobah. We, uh, we don't see Obi-Wan, you know, sitting on his shoulder, you know, like a little angel or devil, you know, whispering, you know, shoot now, Luke. You know, <laughs> we don't we don't see these things. And I think that it's stronger for that. Um, did I enjoy the Force flashback? Not sure. I'm still I'm still kind of out on that. It, it, it gave us some really cool scenes. I loved seeing Luke with R2. I loved seeing the Knights of Ren standing there. But, you know... It could have been done a little bit different, and maybe Moz could have said, "Oh yeah, this lightsaber came to me, and da da da, you know, whatever." Uh, but yeah, the the portrayal of the Force, I, I think they are using it as a as a crutch in, in a lot of ways, uh, and uh, Kylo, not you know, withstanding, you know, stopping the blaster bolt just just to show off. You know, I think that's, yeah, yeah, I just want to leave it at that. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, I've, I've got, 
this is the this is the big easy one that everybody complained about. Um, this is too close to a remake <laughs> of A New Hope. Um, there's too many plot points that are the same. Um, it's a little too close that it, it at times that can even be distracting. Um, it's just a, it's a little too much. Yeah, and I I'm going to say taking out a time yeah. or two because of oh we're spending the first third of the movie on a desert planet. Okay, <laughs> the rebel base is on a jungle planet with these you know temples and roots and trees and stuff. You know, okay, here's kind of a green swampy forest planet. You know. And that is one thing I hope Star Wars gets away from, um, is yeah. the is the monoecologies, you know, um, which I guess you know, like I said too, you know, Lucas paints in broad strokes. So if you're going to have a desert planet, you got a whole planet that's a desert. If you're going to have a um, forest planet, the whole planet's going to be a forest. So yeah, right. that's 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 kind of a thing. But it, but it's even to the extent that Poe makes a trench run on a Death Star. <laughs> yeah, essentially, yes. Yeah, it's uh, a little much. Well, you know, and and it's one of those things that, once again, I know that they were wanting us to feel at home. They they wanted to give us comfort food here. I mean, that's essentially what what JJ and company were doing. They were trying to give us some comfort food, and and it was good in those respects. But you know, one of the biggest things that I think George always tried to do was give us something a little different in each movie a different type of planet, a different type of species, and to build upon kind of the universe itself. And with this, I do think it's very derivative of A New Hope. You know, we see a lot of, of similar kind of beats, so to speak, within within the movie. Yeah, entirely. All right. Um, I've, got, um, I've got one left, and then I'll let you guys empty your lists. Um I don't like Snoke in this movie. With, this is very specific. I don't like Snoke in this movie. I like him in The Last Jedi for that whole two scenes he was in. Um, but I just like the whole big towering thing, not really explained. Is he a Sith? Is he not? What is he? Um, I, I, his relationship with Kylo is kind of just strange in this movie. Um, I just I don't like Snoke as like the big bad in, in this. Because I, I like him a lot more in The Last Jedi. But I just, I just found him off-putting here. Yeah, Snoke either should have been an omnipotent character off-screen or should have been uh, a little more involved. Yeah, that's 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 all I'm going to say about that. All right, guys, yeah. finish your list. What, 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 else, what else did you like? What, what other flaws did you find? Dwayne, what's something you have? I'm, I'm, I'm done. Okay. I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Uh, I've got one more that I've just got to throw out because, you know, one of the things I was so excited about in this movie, and, and anybody who knows me and has heard me talk about Star Wars, is Harrison Ford coming back as Han Solo. Now, I know Harrison wanted this character killed off in Jedi. <laughs> I know this. I am killed off in Empire. They wanted, That's what he, I was he, wanted, he wanted out, and I get it. But I just think that it was an unceremonious end to a classic character just to have him drop. And yeah. then almost no repercussion or even seen that, that, that really, to me, felt like, like, like what the character deserved. And maybe you disagree, but I just, I just feel that, that it was a very unceremonious ending for Han Solo. Yeah, um, 
Well, you know, it's his Star Wars, and he did drop off the great height. And you know what happened with Maul, so he may never really have. <laughs> okay, let's go ahead and break and get back to yeah. some moments. He's got mechanical legs. <laughs> Right, guys let's go to probably my favorite part of the show let's give out some awards um best performance Dwayne, what you got best performance in this movie i'm going to give it to uh i know there's a lot of great performances my favorite and i think the breakout performance of the movie is daisy Ridley. i'm going to give it to daisy Ridley's portrayal of ray okay um, she, Baby? you know, come out of nowhere, and she really developed that character so beautifully. Yeah. Sammy yeah. was nodding awfully hard. Go ahead. I, I am totally in the same boat. Uh, I think <laughs> Daisy Ridley's Ray, first of all, as Daisy Ridley, you know, a fairly young act- actress, to be dropped in the middle of this franchise and really expected to hoist it on her back like Luke hoisted Yoda and carry this thing. <laughs> you know, she is literally the the future of the franchise, and to put her in there in the midst of this story with Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher and, and all of these very notable names in the Star Wars universe, you know, she did a fantastic job, just hands down. Well, well guys, I hate to be the uh, negative Nelly here, the spoil sport, whatever the right word is there. I think you're wrong. Uh, okay, and, I, and, I, and this is my opinion. I think Adam Driver stole the whole movie. Um, every scene he's in, a mask on or not, even with a mask on, that dude is stealing scenes. Um, you, I can't take my eyes off of him. I mean, just every emotion expressed across his face, every scene he's in, um, feels deep and meaningful. Um, I just think Adam Driver is amazing in this movie. Jamie, that is a not the a wrong answer i think that answer is completely valid and you know between ray and and kylo's portrayals is the strength of this movie i mean if if you don't have the yin without the yang yeah definitely well, and, and they both brought it and brought it excellently well I, th- I think disney knew that you can tell by the last jedi it's just about them yeah. Almost the entire. I mean, it's almost every scene has one of them in it. I mean, it's it's all about them, except and, for uh, that weird, you know, Vegas trip they make. But <laughs> but I try not to remember. Vegas. You know, <laughs> and, and it's a good thing that one of us did choose Kylo, or he would just take his lightsaber and start hitting <laughs> and throwing a timber tantrum. So I'm he so would- glad, Jamie, you did choose Kylo. He'd come into our room and start <laughs> hacking at my computer here. <laughs> I love that scene where those two stormtroopers <laughs> see him tear through and just turn slowly and walk away. Nobody has to say to anything, but just know. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Well, and he beats up the elevator panel. And <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to go first on best scene because um, it's just interesting. Sammy panned my favorite scene. Oh, I my. Think- I think that scene on the bridge is the best scene in the movie. And I think that that emotional moment between father and son, 
Um, it's just very, I mean, it probably is a little uh, unceremonious to just drop him off the side. But hey, in Star Wars, they don't put railings on things, ever. Sure, I mean, sure. so if you're going to fall there, you're going to fall all the way down. There's nothing to catch on. But yeah, if that, we could that, figure out where this galaxy far, far away is, we could make a whole <laughs> lot of money by going and sitting up in OSHA office. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> But but that whole moment, like, you know, Holland's trying to get him to come home with him. He's trying to win him back. And, you know, Kylo's like feeling that, that tension, that pull back to the light side. He wants his dad to help him. And Han thinks maybe he's going to come home with him. And instead, he's going to help him by helping him do something so terrible that he can't ever come back from. So he'll say devoted to the dark side. That's just a powerful moment. And Adam Driver and Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford cared about being in this movie somehow. He's been sleepwalking through movies for a decade now. But... <laughs> He was emotionally invested in this movie and in that scene. It made it great. I, that was, uh, I, I don't even think it's close. I, I, that's my favorite scene in the whole movie. And pro- maybe best scene? I, I'm, I'm not exactly objective, but... Now, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm not knocking the scene. I'm knocking the fact that Han falls off and we get nothing from it. You know, <laughs> I want his body taken back and given full military <laughs> honors. You know, I'd be okay with that. <laughs> Yeah. You want to burn him like that? Is that what you want? <laughs> that is a, you know, that is, that is a very, very powerful scene. That is a, a very uh, wrenching scene. It's a lot of the movie hinges on that. A lot of the next movie hinges on that. You yeah. know, I'm not sure about Rise of Skywalker, but I'm sure this is going to have an impact uh, throughout. But now to me, the best scene is the flight of the Falcon. Um, ships you know, flying, I'm shocked. Ships flying. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's you know, wh- what about that ship? It's garbage. <laughs> Boom, and the garbage will do. You know, <laughs> and and we see you know, and how the music you know recalls the theme you know of the original uh, Star Wars, you know, the action theme there as as they're going to it, but. Uh, yeah, just seeing her just just skimming the scene, just digging into, I mean, almost like a, a, a motor car, you know, getting traction and banking in these sandbanks and, and tearing up Jack and, uh, you know, having to manage the cockpit with just one person and, uh, and uh, you know, what's his name, uh, Finn again trying to, you know, work the work the blaster controls of the of the cannon. It, it's just so much fun, and you know, it, I just come out of my seat every time. It, it's a good scene. I, yeah, I, I definitely. Like All right, Sammy, what you got? You know, best scene for me once again was a bit of nostalgia. Just seeing Han and Chewie board the Falcon. That Chewie were home moment. Yeah. Uh, that makes me smile every time. Uh, just seeing them board the Falcon again together, no matter what. Like I said, my, my geek heart just smiles every time. All right, yeah. and you know, this is very telling, too, that two of these best scenes here involve a, a ship. And, you know, in, in these movies, the Falcon is almost as much of a character oh, as very much so. the, the actors. You know, uh, for me, you know, giving Han a hard time during uh, Empire Strikes Back to, you know, it, you know, getting, not getting a scratch, you know, writing the second Death Star, you know, and even now. You promise not a scratch. 
Well, well, fellas, I I had a close second that you need one of you. I was assuming one of you all would mention. Can I can I just maybe like make a motion to have a uh, roundtable, you know, honorable mention here? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I I was sure one of us would pick the lightsaber fight in the snow snowy forest. I just I love that scene, and I uh, I was hoping one of y'all would pick it so I could feel better about not. not. <laughs> Picking the bridge scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a very powerful scene, and and we see Ray's ferocity. You know, we see Kylo's shock as she draws the saber to herself. You know, apart from him, we see Finn trying to be the hero. You know, trying to do the right thing. But yeah, that that's a really, uh, of course, pivotal. You know, climactic scene in the in the movie. Oh, definitely. All right. I felt bad at not getting picked at all. I was so torn and it didn't get picked at all, so I just wanted to mention it. All right. It, it, it didn't need a mention. It didn't need a mention. Yeah. All right. Best quote. I think, Sammy, I think you may have spoiled yours already. Well, I think there's a right answer here. You know, no, the chew your home is not my favorite quote. Actually. Okay. That's what I, I, I thought you were going to say. All right. Go ahead. Now, now, now I love it. Don't get me wrong. But it does go to Han. Uh, and it was, to me, a very emotional scene. When Ray and Finn realize he is the Han Solo they know from Legend, mm-hmm. and he's talking about Luke, and he goes, "I used to wonder about that myself," you know, and he goes into that. I thought it was a bunch of mumbo jumbo, a magical power holding together good and evil, the dark side and the light. Crazy thing is, it's true. The Force, the Jedi, all of it. It's all true. And I love that. That's such a powerful scene. Yeah, yeah, and that, it really that was mine shows too. Was <laughs> oh, that yours as well, Jamie? Yeah. Okay. So ditto for Jamie there. Um, I'm going to grab a, uh, the scene just before that, and what uh, Sam had uh, alluded to during his favorite scene, and I think this just establishes this movie. You know, it was when Han and Chewie step onto the Falcon, and Han says, "Chewie." We're home, you know. So yeah, we're back in Star Wars. We're back in this universe, and and I think for the most part, I know we've had some pans. I know we've got some issues, you know, throughout the Last Jedi and even this movie. You know, I think we're still home in this universe. Right. Favorite character, and this one we very clear. We're talking about favorite, not best. Right. So. Um, Dwayne, you went last on the last one. Uh, what, who's your favorite character in Force Awakens? Oh, my favorite character. I love the I love the three uh, new characters so much. Well, and really four even Kylo Ren. Um, I, but man, I'll tell you, Ray has it, it's always a toss up to me between Ray and, and Kylo. I could I could one day I could say one, and the next day I could say the other one, and I would never be lying. You know, they're they're both great. So I'm I'm going to go ahead and since since I did pick Ray um, as my as the best performance, I'm going to go ahead and pick Kylo as my favorite character, uh, just because uh, you know he's so much emotion in his desire to be dark, and it's so telling with his character of how of how much he's trying. You know, Anakin, I think, was just pulled and manipulated into it. But, you know, and, and we always think about our, our bad guys, you know, 
well, maybe they don't think they're doing wrong. Or maybe they think they're doing the right thing. You know, and, but he's, you know, essentially praying to the Vader mask. You know, I, you know, I feel it again. You know, help me. Show me the power of the dark side. I'm feeling the pull to the light. And so he, it's just, just where he's trying to go, and and, and the, the the division you see in him throughout this movie and the next. All right, uh, mine is not as deep. Um, so I was I was I was hedging a little bit when I said I was being very clear we're picking favorite and not best. Um, my favorite character is Finn. I just I love every facial expression John Boyega makes in this movie. <laughs> Every line delivery, I mean, to the point when he's like being over the top, giving Captain Phasma, like who's in charge now, kind of that whole thing. <laughs> he's just, he's having a blast on set. You can tell he's having fun doing he this. Is, he is really good at taking his helmet off and sweating. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, I, I love Finn. I, I love his storyline, the, the stormtrooper who, who runs away and, yeah. and just wants to run away. And then when it's time. And he's not a believer in the cause yet, he, but he loves Ray. He cares about Ray. That's his friend, yep. and he'll do anything for his friend. And I just, I, I love that character arc and the thing. And I just love John John Boyega in front of a camera. Just the guy just oozes charisma. Yeah, he really did a great job. And that, and and Finn, especially like you said, being being the stormtrooper defecting and not really being into the cause. He's a really good good arc there. And I think he even didn't he say in the movie that was his first mission. Yeah, yeah, that was. Did he say that was his first a, mission, a, and he was like in maintenance. Yeah, he was. A yeah, he was janitor, right? So it was his first mission, and he knew right away this isn't what he wanted to do. You know, so I mean that that's telling about his character. All right, who's your favorite? So Sam? my favorite now, obviously. You know, I can go OT characters here, but I do want to kind of call out a new character for this sequel. And I'm going to go back. You know, I said Daisy Ridley had a great performance, and it's her performance that probably makes Ray my favorite character in this. Because she's such, even before we even know anything about the, her being Force-sensitive, just the loyalty she shows to BB-8 by saving him, by not selling him to Unkar Plutt. You know, <laughs> even if we just get her heart long before we know anything about her possibly having a power. The fact that right off the bat, Han Solo respects her, that's already in my book. You know, she's cool, right? So well, Sam, she bypassed the compressor. That's right. <laughs> and I just and, – and just – She's so genuine when they go on, you know, when, when the Falcon's flying into Takadana and they're going to Maz's and she goes, you know, I never knew there was this much green in the whole universe. Yeah. I mean, that's just such a genuine line in the way that she delivers it. Uh, I just, I love Ray. I just think she's such a great character. Yeah. There's a lot of right answers here. There's yeah. a lot of people to live. Yeah, yeah, there's a great cast of characters and they all deliver. Even um, you know, Hitler Weasley, as you say, even <laughs> General Hux, a uh, little over the top admiss there. Just a touch, but Just he's fun. <laughs> yeah. He's he's fun. Yeah, nobody's picking Adolf Weasley for this thing. But um yeah. <laughs> so so we've got we always do two episode specific awards. And this one is very, uh, very specific because uh, one of the criticisms of this movie was that it was basically a new hope with new characters. 
Um, so this is so we're, so this one is can kind of go two directions: best slash worst echo from the original trilogy. Um, it can go either way. There's things that, I mean, the nostalgia might work on you, and you might like the echo. There's other ones like they can make you groan, and you don't, you can't believe they did it. Mm-hmm. Um, Dwayne, what you got, man? I'm I'm going to stick with uh, you know the they're still on a desert planet. They're still <laughs> on, a, on a jungle base. You know, I'm 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 just going to go with you know is the worst is the ecology. You know they're they're still doing these you know these mono things. Uh, now the 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 best callback, of course, the best echo has to be the Falcon. You know, and and Han and Chewie's relationship with that ship. Samuel, you got. You know, I think for me, one of the best echoes are just the little things, the little ambient noises and sounds and pieces of dialogue that you hear in the background. Uh, when Ray comes up and the two troopers are talking about the new T-17s, yeah. uh, it's just I can hear it from A New Hope. Even over the intercom, you hear they're splitting up, and it's exactly the way that you heard on the intercom of the Death Star. Uh, Just those little teeny things in the backgrounds that are just those little story pieces that that are just emblazoned in my my mind as many times as I've seen the original trilogy. Can I add something to you there, Sam? Maybe give you a little bit of of insight and trivia. The the troopers talking about the the new T-17s, and I I can't believe it took them 30 years to come out with new T-17s because it was episode four they were talking about the T-16s on the bridge. Exactly. You know, Obi-Wan there. But anyway, the people who recorded that dialogue, if I'm not mistaken, is uh, Sam Witwer who plays the mm-hmm. Emperor and Darth Maul in The Clone Wars. Yes. And uh, David Collins, who uh, is a producer of, of music and sound effects on a lot of the video games. and things. They, I believe those were the two guys. Because apparently when they were doing this, they had got cast from The Clone Wars. They had got, you know, Matthew Wood, who was one the, you know, Ben Burtt's new, uh, you know, his prodigy sound uh, editor there at Lucasfilm. And they just got all of these actors and all these people that were connected to Star Wars. And they said, let's just get a microphone start talking. You yeah. know, and, uh, and uh, apparently it was uh, Sam Witwer and David Collins who done the, the T-17 dialogue. I love it. Yeah. Well, I, I'm going to be Captain Obvious on mine. Um, I'm definitely leaning into the worst. Um, I cannot believe they used a third Death Star. The, the gall it took to do that. I, I'm not sure if I should be impressed that they thought they could get away with it. It'd be okay. <laughs> or, well, the first or, one was the size of a small moon. The second <laughs> one was larger. This one, they just put it in a planet. <laughs> and, and did you notice how they had to show the graphic to yes, show the to size? Show. Look how much bigger this one is. Yeah, it's totally not the same, guys. It's bigger. Well, you know, and, and Han even calls it out. He's like, let's just put it up like the Death Star. <laughs> you know, he's like, let's just do what we did. Because they're clearly doing what they did. <laughs> I, I just, I can't believe they did that. I, I mean, they even have a trench. They do a trench run like the first mm-hmm. movie. And yeah. then, like, the second Death Star, they fly into it Inside. to blow it up. I couldn't, I, yeah, I can't believe they did that. 
<laughs> so my worst echo is another. I'm not going to read the entire thing I wrote here, uh, but yeah, another Death Star. I can't believe they did it. All right, our last one is Best Laugh, and I, I put this one on here because I'd forgotten how funny this movie is. Um, yeah, this movie, in the true honor of Star Wars, it is hilarious. Yes, you have just this. You can be in this dire situation, and two characters are just going to say the most comical things because of their relationship, and they're just like an old married couple. No. All right. Well, I had, I had, I've got a tie, and so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cheat. I'm gonna go last, and hope one, hope, hope one of you guys pick one of my two, so I can just say one. <laughs> so, Sammy, what was your best laugh? What made you okay. laugh hardest? I'm going to be really honest. My laugh, my best laugh was kind of a small thing. Okay. It's an homage in an homage in an homage. Okay. When Finn, after the crash of the TIE fighter and Finn pops up in the camera, we know that's an homage to Tatooine and the Stormtrooper, which was then brought into Spaceballs. Mm. with a, a very interesting piece of dialogue following it. And then we have Finn doing the same thing. So I always get the biggest kick because every time Finn pops up right there, I hear the Spaceballs line in my head. <laughs> <laughs> and I laugh every time. Oh, that's hilarious. Well, Sam's <laughs> is a little more cerebral than mine is. That's <laughs> pretty good. Mine's pretty out there. There, there are so many, and I'm, uh, I'm kind of with Jamie. I've got two or three that I'm just hanging on to, and not really sure where to go. So, Jamie, I may have a couple mentions too once, once we get done here, because Sam didn't mention one of them. Uh, but probably the funniest thing uh, that distracts me is when Ray's working on the Falcon, trying to fix the the gas leak that they might die. And Finn's like, and she's like, I gotta get back to Jakku. And Finn's like, Why is everyone get back to Jakku? Why do you go back to Jakku? Why do you, you got a boyfriend? You, boyfriend? You know, <laughs> just, 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 got a boyfriend? boyfriend? You know, just that is, I chuckle every time I hear. So that was weird. all right. Well, yeah, that was strange. We're having some audio issues tonight. I think they're having, we're having some weather stuff here. Yeah. Um, Okay, you you didn't. Nobody picked either of my two, so I'll, oh, okay. I'll just. Uh, so I have to choose. Um, I think I'm gonna go with uh, Ray calling the Millennium Falcon garbage. Yeah, the garbage will do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we don't want that one. It's garbage. Uh, yeah, it just <laughs> it makes me laugh. And and I just the whole my backup. Well, I guess my they were tired. I, I couldn't decide. Yeah. The uh, the whole the whole bit with uh, Finn keep grabbing Ray's hand as they're running away. It's just like, why do you keep taking my hand? <laughs> I just, yeah, that whole thing, that, that that relationship and the way it started, it just made I enjoyed that. Okay, well I've got to get my other one in here then because nobody got okay. it. it deserves it truly deserves uh, uh, stating here. So uh, my other one that I was holding really strong to is. During the scene when the Guarvian Death Gang and the uh, what was the other one, Kanji Club, was Kanji Club coming yeah. in, and Chewbacca's you know says something to Han, and he's like, well, "I'm gonna talk myself out of it." And Chewie says something else, and he says, "I do every time." <laughs> 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 
you know, their their relationship is right there. Drew's like, really? And I was like, I do every time. You know, that that interaction is so great. You know, though, there are so many of those moments in there. You know, when when Finn is trying to to kind of nurse Chewie's shoulder, and Han's like, "Don't you hurt him!" And he's like, "Hurt him!" You know, <laughs> can't do six times. Yeah. Which is fine. <laughs> I mean, even Poe, you know, the snarkiness that, that Poe brings, when, even at the beginning when they bring him up to Kylo, okay, is this, who talks first? Is this where you talk first? I talk first? You know, that kind of thing. I, I, I can understand you for the apparatus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness. With my health scare uh, of a week ago, I've probably seen this movie five times. <laughs> <laughs> I would say it's a good use of your time, sir. That's there you great, go. Yeah. All right. All right. So that was our awards, and an award that we love to give out is finding out how everything we review here, how everything we gather into the Nerds of the Round Table verse revolves back to Keanu. So, Jamie. Where in this movie? I know you had some difficulties. I know this was a really deep dig. So I was hoping Max von Sydow. I was hoping, you know, maybe one of our newer characters. But apparently that doesn't seem to be the case. So, sir, what are you bringing us today? Okay. Well, um, I was shocked how hard this one was. Um, I'm usually relieved because when we do when we do like a recent release because those are easy. The older the movie gets, usually the harder it gets. Um, this one was tough. Um, uh, a lot of these actors don't have a big backlog yet. Uh, most of the names we keep saying over and over again have been in like only a handful of movies. Um, and most of the, the crew, I, I started digging into the crew pretty early on in the process. I gave up on the cast pretty quickly. Everybody with a long career, that was a dry well. Um, <laughs> so I started digging through the crew. And what I noticed as I was going through the crew list, these people just all work together over and over again. And they don't work with yeah. anybody else. Yeah, JJ's um, Bad Robot and Lucasfilm are all inclusive. Yeah, but I, I was despairing. Literally ten minutes before we turned Skype on, I finally found a Keanu connection. Oh wow! Um, the it was the <laughs> It was. I was. I. I was gonna go there. I was already <laughs> prepared. <laughs> but I don't quite know what it means. But The Force Awakens has. Five art directors. Uh, movies usually have one. I don't know why they have five. But the fourth out of five art directors is a man named Robert Cowper. Uh, he's been the art director for 17 movies. Most recently, Gemini Man. But before that, he's worked on The Force Awakens, Rogue One, The Martian, and The Bourne Ultimatum. Uh, some good movies in there. But in the midst of all of this work, he has worked with our beloved Keanu, on a movie I've somehow still never seen, 47 Ronin. So Robert Cowper in 47 Ronin is this episode's Keanu Connection. Keanu Connection. Wow. All right. That uh, that looks like a really fun movie. I think there's a story there. Yeah, there has to be some kind of story why a movie has five art directors who all share the title of art director. Wow. Well, that's, that's, I don't that's know a- what that means. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen that before. I've looked at a lot of these these crew lists doing the Keanu connections. I've never seen that many art directors. Many art, huh? Well, 
That's that's insane. Um, okay, so next up is our keeping it one hundred, gentlemen. Are we ready? Getting my clock ready now. I am right. too. I was I was kind of uh, amazed at that counter connection. Uh, five art directors in a movie. That's amazing. Okay, who wants to go first? I'm ready. Go for okay. it. Okay. Okay, Jamie. All right. Um, this is a quest I already got from Dwayne. Dwayne told me I had to watch Edge of Tomorrow this week. And I told him I would watch it on Monday because I always watch a movie on Monday. Um, I didn't watch it on Monday, but I promised Dwayne, so I watched it. Edge of Tomorrow. Um, I wasn't blown away by the trailers when this movie came out. Um, it looked kind of gritty. I thought, yeah, I'll watch this eventually. It looked overly serious. And sometimes when Tom Cruise is in movies that are overly serious, um, I'm just not interested. This is not the movie I expected. This movie was a lot more fun. It was funnier than advertised. And it was the best kind of Tom Cruise character. It's my favorite brand of Tom Cruise. And I don't want to spoil it for you, but this is not your normal Tom Cruise role. I want people to watch this movie, so I don't want to give any spoilers. And shockingly, by the end of it, there's a lot of heart in this movie. Um, you end up caring about these people. And uh, and it's it's like Starship Troopers invaded Groundhog Day. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's so much fun. Edge of tomorrow. That's my keeping it 100. Okay, great. All right. Dwayne, Excellent. you were right. Good. Good deal. Good deal. Sammy, do you, would you like to go next? Uh, yes, I will, actually. All right. So for my keeping 100 this time, I had a swerve from what I originally wanted to do. Uh, so what I went with is Downton Abbey. And this is can be both the series and the movie that's out at the time of this recording. So Downton Abbey follows this uh, the Crowley family essentially. They're in this little earldom in Yorkshire, England. Uh, it is a British series, and you get into the family as well as the servants within the house. So it's not just about the family themselves. You have uh, the life of what's going on downstairs with all of the valets and the underbutlers. And, and it's actually very interesting. I know it sometimes maybe doesn't uh, sound so much by that description. But uh, there's so many great historical markers in this, whether it be World War One, the sinking of the Titanic. Uh, in the cast alone, Dame Maggie Smith, McGonagall herself from the Harry Potter series, uh, Dan Stevens, play, who plays David in the uh, Legion, Marvel Legion television series. Um, and if it doesn't seem your speed, just remember, Happy Hogan loved this television show also. So, <laughs> my keeping 100 is Downton Abbey. Okay, great. Yeah, he had to throw Happy Hogan in to get uh, to make it fit into the nerdiness. In the nerd. I, was, I, was wondering, I, was, I was about to take Sam's nerd card there. It's like, where's he going with this? Come on. He was uh, about to be demoted to back to Squire uh, there for a moment. I noticed I tied Harry Potter, Marvel's Legion, and Happy Hogan. So there That's we go. True. <laughs> Well, um, I'm going to have to uh, juggle a little bit here because uh, Jamie took mine. Oh, I'm uh, sorry. Uh, tomorrow, uh, I, 
<laughs> that was probably one of my best discoveries here being laid up for a week or so. Uh, you know, not able, cause there was a, there was a time, uh, and, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you guys, uh, you guys are family, our podcasting family here. Um, I, I had a stroke, very scary. Uh, thank God it wasn't any worse than it was. Um, I'm recovering slowly but surely. I've got most everything back. So uh, uh, I'm, uh, you know, was like I said, laid up kind of for a week or so, unable to do anything at all. And then, uh, you know, as, I, as I'm doing physical therapy and recovering, I'm able to do a little bit more. And I'm discovering how much there is to do. Um, you know, so uh, life's getting a little bit busy again. But uh, one of my best discoveries was uh, Edge of Tomorrow had probably been sitting on my shelf for about eight months. And uh, so, I'm sorry, bro. yeah. Oh no, that's perfect. That's where <laughs> you, you you described it perfectly. Uh, Groundhog Day meets Starship Troopers. Um, it's a lot better than I would have ever thought it was. It has, t- you know, a few of my favorite things. You know, it has it has spaceships in it, it has aliens, it has uh, you know fighting, uh, time travel essentially, and and Bill Paxton. I was so happy to see Bill Paxton. I didn't know he was in it. Oh, I, yeah, and I didn't want to ruin that for you, but guys, Bill Paxton is in this, and he is in all of his yeah. Bill Paxton uh, gloriousness there. So uh, I'm. Uh, I'm posthumously uh, heaping praises on on that wonderful actor. So I'm going to shuffle around a little bit and uh, and tell you guys about a podcast I've been enjoying here lately. So I'll uh, Jamie's got the timer set ready to go and okay. There is a podcast called The Roth Show. Now this is David Lee Roth, former singer of <laughs> Van Halen. And uh, of David Lee Roth fame, I mean, uh, you know, uh, Sammy Hagar famously replaced him in Van Halen, and everyone says, you know, Sammy Hagar throws a party, David Lee Roth is the party, and you see <laughs> his insanity on this show. He tells a story, or 40, every show. The show lasts about 30 or 40 minutes, and he just, through his ramblings and rantings, gives you a little piece of, of beautifulness, a piece of wisdom uh, through his adventures. And guys, he has lived a very interesting life, not only in Van Halen, but before uh, his father was a surgeon. He was raised relatively poor in, in middle Indiana. I mean, you think of this huge personality there. And uh, went uh, vanished for a few years to Japan and then New York where he was an EMT worker. Uh, you know, and uh, his adventures there weave in and out of the show and how all of this happens. But it's the Roth show comes out weekly. I think every Tuesday. So check it out. Cool. All right. Sorry. I messed up. It was such a good recommendation. We both picked it. Oh yeah. It's really fun. So Sam, have you seen this, uh, this glorious piece of cinema yet? No, I have not. Is, is this the one that they were really confused about what the title should be? Yeah, yeah the yes. title was Edge of Tomorrow, and then it was kind of subtitled it, it Live, and Die, Repeat. Die, Repeat. Yeah. And then it was Edge of Tomorrow again. And <laughs> then they flipped. Yeah, because it was, it was released it's, as Edge of Tomorrow, and then the Live, Die, Repeat popped on there. Yeah. And then they, then they kept it like Edge of Tomorrow with Live, Die, Repeat as a subtitle. And now I think it is Live, Die, Repeat with Edge of Tomorrow as a subtitle. Okay. Uh, and it's, I'll tell you, I found this thing for three bucks at a used movie uh, you know, dealership. So you can find it. I got it on it sale. For, 
yeah, you can find it for real cheap in places. And Sam, if you haven't seen it, uh, next time we get together in person, um, I will I will definitely loan you. Oh, it's one of one of the worst advertised movies of all time. They did not know what to do with it. The the movie that they advertised barely you know is recognizable as the movie I watched this week. Oh wow! Now I'd be interested in seeing it actually. Yeah, it's 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 a ton of fun. It's a ton of fun. Well, guys, uh, that was our episode. Um, and again, you know, we want to thank uh, Darl Goat for reviewing uh, our episode there. And I'd like to encourage our listeners to go to iTunes. You know, drop us a review. Drop us, uh, you know, a few stars on there. Check out our Facebook page. Check out our Instagram page. Uh, we're, we're getting some traffic and getting a little bit more active. Um, guys, what do we have coming up next? Jamie, I think you get the honors of this one because this one is a little bit special for you and your heart. Definitely. Yes. Um, uh, we're going to be doing Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. And this is kind of going to be our Halloween episode for the year. Um, we, we, like, we, I, we get a kick out of doing like the holiday-themed episodes, but this one has a special place. Uh, for me, um, because we're going to have a special guest on the next episode. Um, my oldest daughter is a, um, I'm not sure what the right adjective is. She is uh, mad about Harry Potter. Um, the books, the movies, Super the fan. whole thing. Super fan. I'm not <laughs> even sure if that covers it, man. Um, <laughs> but, well, everybody's going to find out on the next on the next review episode. Um, and so we're going to be talking about Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Um, with a young lady who is probably as knowledgeable about Harry Potter as you two are about Star Wars. And so oh. uh, we're going to have a lot of fun. I can't wait. Uh, it's going to be great. And with that, ladies and gentlemen. Keep it nerdy. <laughs>